Well, good morning, church. It is good to see all of you, and it is uh, really good to be back up here. It was funny. As I was uh, preparing, I, I realized that it's almost been two years since that I've preached last, so time has gone uh, by very quickly, and uh, it's likely that like half of you have never seen me preach because it's been so long. Um, but uh, the reason for that is the last couple of years have been really, really busy for Shannon and I. Um, we have both had job changes. We've both um, been in the process of uh, remodeling our house. So we've repainted every square inch of our house, and we remodeled our kitchen and had a flood and then redid our bathroom, and it's been this ongoing thing. And then on top of that, um, we have also... Uh, had a baby. So we've kind of entered in this new stage of parenthood, which um, I don't think needs much explanation, but it's very demanding, very uh, time-consuming. And um, so that's been us the last couple years. But um, in this season of life, I really feel like God has been showing me um, uh, a lot. And so my goal this morning is just to share with you what God has been doing in my life and what he has been teaching me in the last two years. Um, So Uh, This morning, we're going to be reading from Proverbs 2, so if you have your Bible, feel free to open it there, or if you have your phone, you can uh, click there, and uh, if you do not have your Bible or phone, the scripture will be up on the screen here. So Proverbs 2, uh, verse 1 through 6, we'll read verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Um, so uh, as we enter uh, into this new year, um, my wife and I have been doing a lot of thinking for 2019, and um, we've realized that as we've been thinking, there are a lot of major decisions that we have to make. As Pastor Matt mentioned, I'm kind of on the hunt for a job. We're trying to figure out a living situation and uh, how we'll be making money to provide for our family. And then kind of under each of those major questions, there's all the ramifications like availability and how much time can I spend with church or family. Um, And then just stress. How do I manage all the stress and what does that do to my health? Uh, And the list goes on and on. And so right now, it just kind of feels like our life um, and everything in it is fair game. I mean, there's a couple core things like following Christ and pursuing our marriage uh, that are non-negotiables, but um, it feels like everything else is on the table. Anything can change uh, a whim. And um, to be honest, it's been kind of uh, disorienting, uh, if not overwhelming. Um, normally, my personality is very excited about opportunity. I really like opportunity. I get excited about exploring every possible avenue we can go, and uh, I even kind of explore all the -the off-the-wall options, and um, it's something I get excited about. Now, it's not something my wife gets excited about. She doesn't like that I uh, can, at a whim, just jump up and and move to Africa or something, or would consider that, but but I love exploring those 
types of things. But again, in this season of life, it's been, um, it's been challenging. It hasn't been as exciting. I've kind of felt um, a, a bit apathetic towards finding answers. And so here's the place that I keep ending up. I keep saying, God, show me the path forward. And I imagine that as we enter into this new year, um, many of you are kind of in that same place. As you look at your work or your living situation or your finances or your family or your health, you might be saying, God, show me the path forward. So it might be, God, show me the path forward. I don't know what to do with this inheritance money I just received. Or, God, show me the path forward. I don't know what to do with this um, co-worker or a family member or church member that's been grating on me or, or very difficult to deal with. God, show me the path forward with this cancer diagnosis or this feeling of uh, just like my body not working or, or doing what it's supposed to. God, show me the, the path forward when people at work are, are um, trying to get me to do shady things and, and compromise my, my values and my integrity, or God, show me the, fa- the way forward with these two houses, or two cars, or, or two jobs. God, show me the path forward. Um, you know, and as I've asked this question, I, I keep asking God to show me the path forward. As I ask this question, I have found that I, I think I've been really restrictive in the way that God can answer me. I think I've been trying to limit God. Um, I think my natural bend when I ask God, show me the path forward is, okay, God, what I want you to do is give me a timely word or a circumstance or some sign or confirmation if I'm feeling really desperate, give me some sort of vision or dream. Um, And then I imagine that when God shows me, everything will kind of fall into place, right? Everything will kind of come together. And then surely I'll know God has answered. He has showed me the way forward. Um, Now, God has done that plenty of times in my life. Uh, He's done that in my friends' lives, my family's lives. Um, It it is not uncommon for God to answer prayer like that. But what I have been learning in this season is that's actually um, not the only way that God answers this type of prayer. And oftentimes, it's really not even the primary way that God answers this type of prayer. Uh, In fact, God has a much broader vision for how he answers uh, this type of prayer in our life. Um, So what God really desires is that we would be a people that um, are so aware of his presence, so aware of who he is, so aware of his character, and then also really aware and versed in his commandments and his desires and his will, spending time in Scripture so that we are conformed to the image of his Son and we are able to make wise, informed decisions in every situation that we are met with. Um, That is God's desire for our life and the primary way that we are to make decisions. Now, the New Testament has a word for this. It's called maturity. So you see Paul use it over and over again about Uh, being mature and growing up into the faith. And then the Old Testament has a pretty synonymous word. There's a lot of overlap here, and it is called wisdom. So the goal for us today, we're working out of an Old Testament text, is to ask this question, how can we gain wisdom so that we can see the path forward? Um, So let's begin with our first point. Point one, the path of wisdom is outside of ourselves. 
path of wisdom is outside of ourselves. Um, when you hear that, you might kind of think, well, that's a weird point. Why would he say that? Um, so let's uh, kind of work through this, and I, I think it'll make a little bit more sense. So verse 1 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. So we'll stop there. Now, notice verse 1 here begins kind of with this, this term of endearment. We have this um, phrase, my son. And um, I think in the, the larger context, the, the way that Proverbs is framed is with this metaphor of a father who is wise, right? He has knowledge, he has experience, he's lived more life, and what he is doing is he is passing down his wisdom to his son. Presumably his son is inexperienced, he's young, he's naive, he's gullible, and he's in great need of wisdom in order that he will survive and honor God in the real world. Um, So the metaphor, the literary strategy in the book of Proverbs is for us to see ourselves as the son. It doesn't matter how old we are or how wise we are or how much we've experienced. Uh, the, the challenge for us is for us to see ourselves as the son and receive wisdom from the, uh, the father, primarily in, in the context of uh, the book of Proverbs. Now, I think in previous generations, we might come to this verse, and that might be totally well assumed. And then what you could do is you could go on to uh, verse 2 and keep talking, but uh, it turns out that this idea of receiving wisdom from others has actually um, kind of come under fire. I I think, if anything, um, this premise of looking to others for wisdom really stands diametrically opposed to the cultural values of our our, um, current moment in, in time. So let's think about this. The values that our culture holds uh, dearest. Independence, self-sufficiency, maybe kind of intuition or just this inner ability or skill to be able to do things without taking input from others. Um, Now, the um, notion of of, uh, pursuing those things really deviates from from Scripture um, and and the goal that God has for us. In fact, um, not relying on others is, um, is what the scriptures call foolishness. Um, so it's interesting, but uh, as we take a look at this, this narrative, um, we have one way that the, the scriptures put forward to pursue wisdom, and that is to seek it outside of ourselves. Um, but then we have this other narrative. There's this other narrative in the culture. And uh, weirdly enough, I think Oprah Winfrey, you guys all know Oprah Winfrey, um, she was a talk show host for a very long time. She'd be fairly familiar with her. Um, she actually summarizes really well, really succinctly. She says, this is how you find wisdom. Follow your instincts. That's where true wisdom manifests itself. Um, now, uh, her, her um, quote here is not uncommon. Uh, there's quotes all over the place. You could look at Steve Jobs, the previous CEO of Apple. Um, you can find it all over the literature. Um, but let me read you just one more. Um, and this is a quote from a, name, a woman named Sue Hawk. She's a, a business strategist. She writes a lot of um, stuff for uh, companies and, and entrepreneurs. And she says this, When we're doing too much, we lose touch with our internal alignment. And what our inner wisdom is trying to tell us, because our intuitive voice isn't going to shout to get our attention, 
It's going to whisper. And then her suggestion is, shut everything out. Find that whisper. Find that inner alignment. Find your inner wisdom. So here's the tension, right? On the one hand, uh, we have Scripture telling us to pursue the path of wisdom outside of ourselves. And then the culture is screaming at us to look inside of ourselves. Uh, That is the path of wisdom. Uh, One approach tells us to open ourselves up into the world around us, to be open for all the wisdom that we can find around us. The other approach says, shut the world out. They're not wise. You are. Look to yourself. Find wisdom in yourself. Uh, Again, these two positions could not be um, further opposed. Um, In fact, that that second um, position Again, is what the scriptures call foolishness. So Proverbs 26, 12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? A man who looks for wisdom inside himself? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So we have a a battle of where uh, wisdom truly rests. And so the question for us is, where did this foolishness come from? It's, it seems like because it's a cultural value, um, therefore there's kind of this systemic foolishness in America, a different uh, a pathway to find wisdom. Um, I think a, a prominent post, uh, pastor named Tim Keller really explains this well. So pastor Matt quotes Tim Keller pretty frequently. He's a, a brilliant guy, and uh, this is what he has to say. In ancient times, it was understood that there was a transcendent moral order outside the self built into the fabric of the universe. If you violated that metaphysical order, there were consequences just as severe as if you violated physical reality by placing your hand in a fire. The path of wisdom was to learn to live in conformity with this unyielding reality that wisdom rested largely in developing qualities of character such as humility, compassion, courage, discretion, and loyalty. But modernity reversed this. Ultimately, reality was not seen so much as a supernatural order, but as the natural order, and that was malleable. Instead of trying to shape our desires to fit reality, we now seek to control and shape reality to fit our desires. So to summarize, Keller's saying that when uh, we see a culture that places the center of authority in a creator, then the path to wisdom is is evident. Uh, You yield to the creator, you seek to conform to the created order or the way that that things are. Um, There's actually an expression for this in the Old Testament. It's called the fear of the Lord, right? So to fear the Lord is to yield to him, to acknowledge him in all things, to submit to him in the way that he's created things. In contrast, uh, when a culture sees the center of authority as the individual, what happens? The individual now becomes the creator. And uh, what the creator does is have others submit and yield to themselves. And so to be wise in this culture is to get other people to submit to your internal reality rather than conforming to the reality around you. That's uh, a far cry away from uh, biblical wisdom. Um, So now we kind of have these two paths and we see which one to pursue. Uh, So the question, uh, this leads us uh, to our second point here, point number two. 
the path of wisdom must be actively and wholeheartedly pursued. So we'll start from the top. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. And the text goes on. So listen to the active language here uh, in verses 1 through 4. If you receive, if you treasure, if you make your ear attentive, if you incline your heart, if you call out, if you raise your voice, if you seek it, if you search for it, only then will you find wisdom. So can you guys see how all in we need to be to find wisdom here? Uh, there, there are a lot of um, ways in which we, we need to be pursuing wisdom. So take, for example this metaphor of seeking for wisdom like silver. So some of you might hear that and you think of maybe the necklace you're wearing or the earrings or the watch uh, that you have on. But what um, the author is getting at here is pursuing wisdom like pursuing unrefined silver. Uh, so the author imagines us pursuing wisdom like getting down into the silver mines, taking a shovel, taking a pickaxe, hacking away at walls, trying to gather ore, haul it out, refine it, process it, smelt it, and then have kind of this final finished product. That's a process, right? That doesn't accidentally happen. That is a very deliberate process. Or take this other image from our text. So we have searching for wisdom like searching for hidden treasures. Um, so keep in mind, this is at a time um, where there was no such thing as banks, so you couldn't just go put all of your valuables somewhere. What you did is if you didn't want anyone to find your stuff, your gold or your gems or precious stones or your family heirlooms, you would go dig a hole somewhere, preferably where you remember it, and then you would stick everything in and cover it up, right? Um, the whole goal there is, is so that uh, it remains hidden. And so uh, the image here of pursuing wisdom like hidden treasure is like imagining us with a map, you know, diligently scouring the area, pulling up things, digging and excavating so that we would find something valuable. Um, now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, the TV show Survivor. My wife and I are, are big fans, um, and it is still going on. It's been going for like 20 years, but it is still kicking. But anyways, there's this thing in Survivor called the Hidden Immunity Idol, and what it does is when you get the hidden immunity idol, um, it gives you immunity from being voted out. And you should see these people going crazy to find it, right? They're climbing in trees. They're digging up holes. Uh, they are sticking their hands in places where snakes and all sorts of things are. Why? Because they want the hidden immunity idol. And this is the kind of image I think that the author is getting at. We need to be so sold out that we're willing to throw ourselves in uh, to finding wisdom. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear these images, I am particularly challenged, right? Because what our passage is really teaching is that if we want wisdom, we need to be entirely sold out to finding it, right? You don't stumble across wisdom. You only find it with deliberate action and, and painstaking energy and effort. Um, so now at this point... Um, I'm going to assume that we all want wisdom, and my prayer is, God, that you would give us this desire to pursue wisdom. 
Um, but I'm going to assume that we all want wisdom. So the question for us is, if pursuing wisdom is like pursuing silver or searching out for hidden treasures, then what means has God given us to find that wisdom? Um, so I'm going to give you five uh, five ways that you can pursue wisdom. These come from the Proverbs. They're not all-inclusive. There's uh, no promises that if you do them, you will find the exact answers you need. Uh, but these are just a starting point, um, a biblical starting point uh, for finding wisdom. So first, spend time in the Proverbs. Now, this should probably pretty self, be pretty self-explanatory. So we're reading through the Proverbs. Uh, we're supposed to imagine ourselves as this young man who is receiving wisdom. And that wisdom is uh, basically encompassed or uh, written down in the Proverbs themselves. And so we are to read them, reflect on them, memorize them, and then seek to apply them to our life. Um, now, there's a little trick that I, I learned from someone in Malawi. His name was George. He was a really wise man. Uh, he was a pastor there. And uh, when I met him and talked with him, he had already read through the Proverbs, I don't know, probably a hundred times. Uh, and, and here's what he, he would do. So this is a little trick. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Most months, there are 31 days. And so what he would do, read one chapter a day. By the end of the month, he would go through the book. Now, he had a very large appetite for the Proverbs, so he'd just do that month after month after month. But my encouragement to you is, um, you know, February's coming up. It's 28 days, but March, 31 days. So if you want to go through the book of Proverbs, do it like that. Um, spend time each day reflecting on them, maybe texting them to other people, trying to memorize them, and then applying them to your life. Second, seek counsel from the wise. So Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So in the world, um, it's kind of embarrassing to ask someone else for help, right? Because asking someone else for help implies weakness. Um, but in the scriptures, asking someone for help, asking someone for wisdom, what is it a sign of? Maturity. Um, so to reach out to someone and say, I don't know, that is a, a sign of God-given uh, wisdom and maturity already, a sign that God is working uh, in your life. And so if you feel stuck and you don't know, that's okay, that's great. Reach out to someone who does. Reach out to someone who has gone through that part of life before you. So just as an example, um, my wife uh, called up Julia or texted her and asked her um, if she could help us figuring out how to discipline Riley. Because Julia Wing is a pro, right? She knows her stuff. She's got plenty of kids. She's got lots of experience. Um, if you want to know about raising kids, ask Julia Wing, right? Um, but my wife and I, we don't know. It's challenging. We don't know how to uh, discipline kids. And, um, you know, even saying that sounds like a weakness in our culture. I should just somehow inherently know. Um, but we don't. And so uh, we have asked Julia, hey, help us. Give us some pointers. Help us to know how to lead our children wisely. So if you feel like you're in that place where you don't know, it's okay. Reach out to someone. And seeking wisdom might be as easy as getting coffee for someone and, and picking their brain. Uh, third, avoid company with the fool. So Proverbs 23, 9 says, Stay away from a foolish man, 
you will gain no knowledge from his speech. So what this is not saying is be self-righteous and don't deal with unbelievers. Uh, What this is saying is be tremendously careful because everywhere you go, especially in our culture, there is a counter wisdom, right? It's embedded in books. It's embedded in movies. It's embedded in social media. It's even embedded in cereal boxes um, or ads. I mean, uh, anytime I read the cereal or shampoo, there is a different countercultural wisdom there. Um, And it's not only aimed at adults. It's also aimed at kids, so you can listen to Barbie commercials, or if you've ever actually sat down and read the lyrics to Let It Go uh, from uh, Frozen, pretty rebellious lyrics, actually. Um, It is very um, ungodly. Um, Now, I'm not saying don't associate in the world or go out in the world, but Jesus wants us to be innocent as doves and wise as serpents, right? So that's encouragement for us as we go out into the world. Be wise and aware that um, everything has a worldview and is seeking uh, to, to win us over to it. Fourth, look to nature. So Proverbs 30, verses 24 and following say, four things on earth are small. I get a really uh, big kick out of this. Um, yet they are exceedingly wise. The ants are not a strong species, yet they store up their food in the summer. The conies are not a mighty species, Uh, yet they make their homes in the rock. The locusts have no king, yet they all advance in formation, and the lizard can be caught in one's hand, yet it is found in the palaces of kings. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever been to, uh, like, the tropics, um, but when I was in Haiti and Dominican Republic and then Malawi, um, I would always go to bed and close my eyes, and then I'd later open them, and I'd see lizards on the ceiling, right? (laughs) So... Uh, very common, and um, so what the um, author here is doing is saying, hey, these guys are wise. Uh, they're little, but they can manage to get into the palaces of kings. So observing nature um, and, and uh, seeing and learning from God by studying it. Now, this isn't an infallible process, so as you go study nature, I'm sure there's plenty of ungodly things you will witness, but um, there is a lot that we can gain by going on a hike or looking at a waterfall or looking at the stars, uh, we can come to a greater realization of who God is and come to fear him. And then last, ask God for wisdom. So take a step back. Um, The primary uh, author of Proverbs here is Solomon. So Solomon was the king of Israel, anointed by God. And what did he ask God? God, above all else, above anything else, give me wisdom. And so the encouragement here is if you, um, someone who is not anointed by God to be the king of Israel to fulfill all of the promises and build a temple and do all these things, um, if you uh, find that you don't need wisdom but he does, then that probably means that we are foolish, right? So we need to reach out and ask God, God, give us wisdom just like King Solomon. Um, So scripture gives us this promise. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So that is a promise that God gives us. Okay, so now we can kind of see um, the path forward a little bit more clearly. We have these five uh, different ways that we can pursue wisdom. And this leads us to our last point, point number three. The path of wisdom ultimately leads to God. So it starts with God, but it also ends with God. 
So back to our text. Um, if you call out, if you raise your voice, if you seek it, if you search for it, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So notice this really con- uh, interesting conclusion here, right? So we have been on the hunt for wisdom. We've been down in the silver mines. We've been uh, unloading and looking for uh, hidden treasure. And, and um, what does it say that we get at the end of that? It says that we will understand the fear of the Lord and that we will find the knowledge of God. So that should cause us pause and think, wait a second, I thought I was looking for wisdom. I thought I was looking uh, to find this thing called wisdom, and somehow I end up with knowing God? That's what the proverb writer here wants us to think. And the point is exactly. So the whole point here is only when we search for wisdom do we find God. And then notice the effect here. God, uh, in turn, gives wisdom. So verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. See, again, there is this inseparable link between wisdom and God. If you have one, you have the other. If you don't have one, you don't have the other. So Trumper Longman, an Old Testament scholar, paraphrases it this way. Seek wisdom, and one will find God. Find God, and one will gain wisdom. So at this point... We could probably stop here, but there's one really interesting thing, and that is that Paul takes note of this tension here, and then he also takes all of the the language of Proverbs 2 that we've been discussing, and he says in Colossians 2 this really interesting phrase. He says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And knowledge. So what Paul is doing here is he's taking this language of Proverbs 2 and he's reframing it in light of Jesus. He says, seek the treasures of wisdom and find Christ. Seek Christ and find the treasures of wisdom. For in Christ are hidden all treasures and all knowledge of wisdom. So Christ is the embodiment of the proverbial man, right? He is the one who embodies all of this wisdom encompassed in the book of Proverbs. And we are told that he is the wisdom of God. So church, as you seek uh, to find wisdom, as you're reading your Proverbs, as you're asking others for help, as you're crying out to God, do not neglect to look at the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Um, So let's take a step back and do that really quickly. So we need to make sure that we see Jesus sitting at um, the temple as a young man inquiring and discussing the deep things of God with his elders as the people stand and look amazed at him. We need to see Jesus begin his ministry in Nazareth as he's proclaiming the gospel. And the crowd's question, uh, this is verbatim, where did he get all this wisdom Uh, We need to be sure to listen to the wise and challenging sayings of Jesus, like, the least is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and a tree is known by its own fruits. Or we can listen to the proverbs and parables of Jesus, like the parable of the sower and uh, the parable of the prodigal son. And then we need to be sure that we kneel at the cross of Jesus, because this is where the fullness of, of God's wisdom was manifest, right? 
because up until this point, there had been so much tension between what does God's justice have to do with God's mercy? What does his forgiveness have to do with his willingness to, to bring retribution? And Jesus is the answer, the wise answer to all of that. In Jesus, at the cross, we have resolution between God's wrath and his love. Um, We have resolution between God punishing sin and standing vindicated for doing so and then liberating people from sin. At the cross, we have Jesus destroying death by dying. And at the cross, we have Jesus destroying his enemies by their own hands. See, Jesus is the wise answer of God. He is the fulfillment of all of this wisdom. So Paul says, Are you on a path to find wisdom? Are you searching diligently to understand? I have the answer. The answer is God and Christ. Because when you find wisdom, you find Christ. And when you find Christ, you find wisdom. For in him are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So church, my encouragement to you this morning is as you pursue wisdom, as you read the Proverbs, as you pray to God, as you Look for wisdom in others and in creation. Do not neglect to find Christ because he is our true wisdom. Amen? Let's pray.